Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning, everyone. Good to, um, good to see you and see some old faces. Hey, Deborah, good to see you. Good to see you. Um, indeed. And um, greetings to everyone that's online or if you're listening to this on a podcast. Um, so great to see everyone from all the three sites in one place. I know we've had, we've got someone who's traveled from Birmingham I bumped into this morning, um, and maybe there are others as well. There you go. Next to Akshay, good to see you. Um, So thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you, Father, for your presence. And I pray, Lord, that you would indeed um, speak to our hearts today. So I've I've been at Battersea, or not Battersea, I've been at Ballam for about five years now. My wife and I, my wife Bianca, who's a stunning wife in the corner over there. Um, We have our our two daughters, Ava and Leora, um, are in youth and children's church. Uh, it's been a while since I've been up here. Hopefully, I mean, it could be my last, depending on what happens after, <laughs> after, after today. Uh, I appreciate Julia and Mike and uh, for their trust and confidence. Um, I was in LA recently on a work trip, and I decided to do most of my prep for today whilst on the plane. Um, but to be honest, for a while I was sort of up in the air about exactly what to share. Couldn't resist, couldn't resist. Um, I had about 10 things that I was going to speak to, and I prayed for wisdom on what to leave out. And um, you'll be pleased to know I've landed on a message that feels, feels right. Um, I just needed to get that one, just the second one out of the way. Um, and I want to thank you. Thanks, um, Julia and, and Joe. I don't know if Joe Frost is here. They both shared over the last few weeks, and I'm really building on what, what they've shared um, Quite literally, in Joel's case, because I've stolen her deck, so I'm building on her slide deck. Um, and you know, my task today isn't to get you to believe or do anything, particularly for those of you who don't know Jesus, who wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, and you're listening online. Um, but that, just like the Bereans, so the Bereans were um, a group of people in, in the book of Acts, uh, in a city in northern Greece, and the Bible says that they examined the scriptures, scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was indeed true, and I hope you'd approach this in the same spirit. So, um, you know, being on a plane as I was a few weeks ago, getting, um, is great for getting perspective, uh, and preparing for today, I was reflecting on how I'd summarize my spiritual journey in the last few years since COVID. Um, and so I'm going to share one, what I call sort of key truth, uh, or idea that I've been coming back to regularly since COVID, um, as well as an experience connected to this that I'm calling the glue. So let's begin with a set of questions. Who am I? Why am I here? So some have said that being alive is like finding yourself, bless you, finding yourself in a circus you didn't buy a ticket for. There are roller coasters in life, ups and downs, and we can feel like lost puppies watching a chess match. It can be hard to make sense of what's going on around us, Um, And then in this circus, there are clowns. I mean, just look at Twitter and you'll see there's quite a few. Um, And for me, like a circus, life has had its share of joy, but it's also felt quite confusing and overwhelming at times. Um, Clyde Kilby is an English professor. He's a Christian teacher. He's famous for summarizing a number of C.S. Lewis's works. You might remember C.S. Lewis' um, Chronicles of Narnia and 
um, sort of famous films like that and books. And he has these resolutions for mental health, which I think are quite powerful to reflect on. If you type in Clyde Kilby, uh, you'll see uh, he's got a number of them. And one of these thoughts is, at least once every day, I shall look steadily up to the sky and remember that I am a consciousness with a conscience on a planet traveling in space with wonderfully mysterious things above and about us. I'd encourage you to try this out, you know. On my way into the office, I'll often look at the sky and remembering, you know, all of God's creation. We're surrounded by mysterious things above and about us. Accepting the mystery of it all as a child, having confidence that if God is able to take care of all of this, he can certainly take care of you and I. So we are indeed a consciousness with a conscious, a conscience. So far, so straightforward, but it can help to define what something is by what it isn't. So let's start there. So this first truth that I've been circling back to is, is quite simple. It's, I am not what I have. I'm not what I achieve. I'm not what others say about me. Say that again. I'm not what I have. I'm not what I achieve. I'm not what others say about me. I grew up in relative poverty, although I wouldn't have described it as that when I was a child. We spent about 30 to 50 pounds a week on, on food for a family of seven. And when you grow up in those conditions, you can't help but compare yourself to other people that you grow up in. Some of you here might be able to relate to that. Um, I remember walking past amazing houses and I'd sort of think, how do they afford such houses? You know, I wonder who lives in there. Um, and I guess I've always had the ambition to be, to be the best I can be, maybe a result of my upbringing or not. But what I quickly found as I entered the corporate world was how easy it is to lose your identity, right? How easy it is to lose touch with what really matters. And, you know, that's true regardless of the career path you take, whether you're a, a working parent, a stay-at-home parent, um, or in whatever role. And I landed a role at a consulting firm some years ago, and I was there for about three years. And then after that, I applied for a, a job in a metaverse gaming world. And I remember one of the partners at the consulting firm uh, said to me he was surprised that I wasn't lying about my salary in the job interview. Uh, because that's just the thing that people do, right? Um, in the end, and I think I might have shared this, I didn't take his advice, um, but suffice to say, since then, God opened the door to me working at Netflix, where I work today, and, and the rest was, was history. But being in, in the entertainment industry, you very much quickly see how people are driven by this piece of uh, possessions, achievement, reputation. And even if you're not in the entertainment industry, you know, social media has a tendency to leave us comparing ourselves with others. So consider that phrase, that truth. I'm not what I have. I'm not what I achieve. I'm not what others say about me. You see, your possessions, your sense of success, how you're viewed by people we care about can quickly come to define us, can't it? And I don't mean to trivialize these things. Maybe you're currently retired, although I don't think that applies to many people in the room here. But um, uh, maybe you're between jobs and you don't have a steady income. Uh, maybe you're, you don't have a partner and you're frustrated with attending other people's weddings. In short, many people are in touch with a sense of disappointment with how life has turned out so far. And whatever your situation this morning, I do want to say that, you know, we pray that the Lord grants you the desires of your heart. The things, that, the quote, if we put that quote back on the screen again, um, it isn't to trivialize 
having things or achieving things. In fact, sometimes I like to pray the prayer of Jabez. You might remember from First Chronicles chapter 4, 10. It's a beautiful prayer. It says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory. That is to enlarge your places of influence, your places of impact. And that you would keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted this request. I encourage you to try that prayer. And, and it, even in light of this, as impactful as these things are, in the gap between what we hope for and what we experience, it's important that these things don't come to define us or the absence. And, you know, whether you're in a corporate job as I am or, or wherever you find yourself, you know when these things or the lack of these things are coming to define you. As soon as it does, you'll find yourself floating in a bubble, which indeed will burst before you know it. And that dissatisfaction or that lack of real joy is what often leads to all manner of addictions and, and issues in our lives. So the question then is, how ought we to derive our sense of identity? Well, in one ultimate sense, here is the actual reality. And this is a quote from our good friend, Dallas Willard, who is um, kind of a spiritual mentor of mine. He passed away 10 years to this month, actually, in uh, May, May 8th, 20, uh, 2013. And he says, I am an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Let's just try saying that together. I am an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Whenever I read this, I always feel there's a sense that there's so much to this statement that I, I don't quite grasp, but it sort of turns everything we've just been talking about in terms of possessions and status and achievements on its head. And underpinning this thought is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 51. Jesus said, if anyone keeps my word, he or she, because he was talking about everyone, will never experience death. What does it mean to keep Jesus' word? It's to place our confidence in him in such a way where we come to do the things that Jesus said. But let's let that sit with you for a moment. I hope you don't plan on experiencing death. I think I've said this up here before, but have you ever thought about what your life will be like 500 years from now? Where are you going to be? What will you be doing? And how is the person you're becoming now, how is that influencing, and how will that carry over into your eternal destiny? Now, of course, our bodies grow old and we age. Tim Keller, some of you will know, passed away recently. Um, famous teacher, author. Um, the legend that is Tina Turner passed away recently. You know, and from this side, we see their body. We see a shell. But we don't see the experience of the person who has died. When we die, we don't take our achievements with us, our possessions with us. So the question is, am I living with eternity in mind? Jesus said, if any man keeps my word, or any woman, he will never experience death.
Are we living the eternal kind of life now? Are we developing the kind of character that would enjoy being around Jesus? You know? I mean, let's face it, you're going to see a lot of Jesus in the future, aren't you, right? I mean, we're going to spend a bit of time together. So now is a good time as any to start getting that practice. So we're at the sort of um, halfway point. And in short, I'm in a place in my life where I regularly remind myself of this truth that I am not what I have. I'm not what I achieve. I'm not what others say about me. We place a high premium, don't we, on reputation. But I'm an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. It's a reminder, you see, to avoid being caught up or lost in the hype of our culture, as Joe was saying for the last few weeks. Joe Frost was, if you don't know, she was speaking on a series on what it means to be human for the last uh, month or so. But instead, to be caught up in a bigger drama that God is working on and which will last into eternity. Look, I work at Netflix, and The Crown is one of our big, shining um, jewels in, <laughs> in our content slate. We like that one. Um, and uh, it's a massive drama, um, but there's a bigger drama that God is working on. Um, and so I come back to this thought regularly to, to sort of refocus and check where my heart is. But we've also got to be honest when we think about eternity. You know, the, the fact is, this idea of an eternal destiny can sometimes feel hard to imagine, can't it? The day job, parenting, the incessant demands of life can make it feel like a distant reality. Sometimes the, the complex, chaotic circus of life can sort of break in and leave us feeling frustrated um, or sad. And certainly that's been the case for me, where it's challenged my confidence in the things that Jesus said. That being said, what I've found is that insight alone or, you know, mentally assenting to these key ideas are not enough to meet the deep need for belonging we all have. You know, what we believe about God and ourselves is important, but it's just insufficient. What we need is to be convinced of God's love for us, to go from beliefs about God to interaction with God. And that's the glue part. So we'll move on to this second half. About three months ago, I went on a, on a week-long retreat as part of my coaching, uh, my training as, a, as an Enneagram coach, which is something I do um, on my day job. And um, there were around 20 of us who came from all over the world. Um, you know, the goal was basically to do real deep heart work. And, you know, it wasn't a Christian retreat as such, but there were people of faith present um, but I don't think I'll ever forget the stories of deep hurt and pain, um, tragedy, disappointment that was shared that week. And I probably haven't cried as much as an adult as I've cried in that, in that, in that week. And it was a, a reminder of the humanity we all share and the healing that can come from simply sitting with people and their stories. In any case, so as part of the preparation for the retreat... Um, we were given a simple task of sharing our stories, our personal stories. Um, and leading up to it, I was in the gym. And um, there was a song by Billy Joel uh, playing in my head, Love You Just The Way You Are. And I felt a, a tenderness all of a sudden as I, as I began to sing the melody. And so immediately I looked up the song on Spotify and I started listening. And no longer, as, uh, no sooner had I started listening, I just had to I had to run to the nearest toilet, which happened to be a disabled toilet, but I just burst into it anyway. And I just sat and began to weep, just hearing, hearing God speaking to me. 
You see, God used this song to remind me of something that is more precious than insight and in, to some degrees, uh, degree truth that we can sort of, again, mentally um, assent to. And Jim Wilder talks about this. I brought a couple of his books. He's, he's written a book called The Other Half of Church. Some of you might have be familiar with him, and he's, he's written another one called um, Renovated, uh, The Church That Transforms. And he talks about this attachment love. And actually, in a moment, I've asked, I've asked the, um, the AV team to play the song. But a few things about this, this attachment love. You know, the Bible has a special word for this kind of love. I'm not Hebrew, but apparently the word is hesed. I'm probably butchering that, so apologies to anyone who, is, um, who speaks Hebrew. But it's often translated in the Bible as mercy, kindness, steadfast love. Ultimately, it's a love that sticks with you. It's a love that um, attaches to you, and that word is important. Um, some decades ago, there were some psychoanalysts, so John Bowlby, uh, so if you're into psychology, you might be familiar with the name. John Bowlby in the 60s did a lot of research about childhood experience. And his research absolutely transformed the entire arena of, of psychotherapy. Um, it's now accepted that very early in human life, a baby bonds with its mother and bonds with primary caregivers. And Jim Wilder, the Christian so neo-theologian, has, has written much about this. And he says, the attachment, this attachment is the strongest force in the human brain. It's not an emotion, although we can feel it strongly. It's simply the best word that scientists could find for what glues people together, you and I, and little creatures to their parents. Attachment is a life-giving forever bond with no mechanism in the brain to unglue us. If you're a parent, please don't feel any condemnation. Um, you know, check out Donald Winnicott. He talks about um, good enough parenting. So this isn't a, uh, to, to throw extra pressure on, on, on new mums. But um, whether we like it or not, we will attach to someone or something. And this is one way to see the hesed love of God as an attachment love that is rooted in acceptance. Like a mother with a child, God knows that this attachment love is key to us growing as believers and opening, opening our hearts and ourselves to God. Um, you know, I'm probably not doing um, wildest teaching justice, but essentially there are many difficulties in our personalities and our relationships that stem from feeling not accepted. The problems of our world, Julia talked about this in terms of tending to our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, uh, guard the heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so many of us have come to live with disappointment. Maybe those of you listening online, those of you listening um, on a podcast. We struggle with allowing ourselves to hope. Maybe we're sitting here today and you've experienced very real trauma. It makes it difficult for you to trust others. There was a famous book written called The Body Keeps Score, which talks a lot about the impact that trauma can have. And what's key is learning to accept each other, and more importantly, ourselves, just as we are, because God does. And so I want to invite you to listen to the lyrics of this song by Billy Joel. It's, 
to, you know, if, if you're very religious in here, then I should warn you, it's not a Christian song, um, whatever that means. And uh, not everything in, the, in these words will pass your doctrinal correction exam. But um, I encourage you to be open-hearted uh, and allow yourself to hear God singing these words directly to you. And we'll say a few more things on the other side. Sorry. Thank you, Father, that you love us just the way we are. You see, the lyric says, God sees you. You're not too familiar. He'll take the good and the bad just the way you are. Don't go trying some new fashion. Don't change the color of your hair. Because his love isn't based on what you do. See, the feeling I'm left with when I hear these words is one of relief and deep affection. There's a child in all of us that needs to hear I love you where you are today. It doesn't mean we stay where we are, quite the contrary, but God 
Paul in Romans 5.8 says, God proved his love for us that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, we have to get over this idea that God is breathing down everyone's neck all the time. You don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. You just need to get started. For those of you listening online, if you're not a believer, that's quite all right. You, you come with what you have. Jesus meets you where you are. When you think about the story of the prodigal son, and we're, we're about to wrap up, Tim Keller talks about this. He's famous for teaching on it. But you notice when the prodigal son returns, after having spent time with pigs, the father doesn't ask him to go and get clean, to go and wash. He gives him a hug straight away. So we come back to this truth statement. I'm not what I have. I'm not what I achieve. I'm not what others say about me. But I'm completely accepted by the one who loves me and gave himself for me. You know, some people may read this and think, well, how on earth is this important? What do I do with that? Can't get a job with that. Can't get a husband with that. Um, but this is the foundation of acceptance that gives rise to achievements. You know, gives rise to actions that aren't based on need to be accepted, where you're trying to fill a deficit, a gap, pursuing a career because maybe then your families will accept you. But it's knowing that we are accepted. This is the knowledge which is a solid foundation to true flourishing and growth. So I want to say again, yes, it matters how we act. Yes, living right, the right way matters. But friends, we don't become followers of Jesus by making people feel guilty. Guilt is not a profitable, motiva profitable motivation for the spiritual life. People are used to feeling condemned. I mean, we're our own biggest critics. But when it comes to spiritual things, some things that can be pulled can't be pushed. And some that can be pushed can't be pulled. What I mean is making followers of Jesus is about being pulled to the words of Jesus. The greatest thing that you or I can pray for, for any of our children, our loved ones, our friends, is that they would sense the acceptance of Jesus. And the peace that flows from this. You see, it's the greatness and goodness of God that is our peace. The one that says, Jesus Christ loves them. That God loves you. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. And it was this message that cut their hearts in Acts. It says, in Acts, their hearts were burning within them. And the Spirit poured out on this truth, on this foundation, on this work on the cross. So this is our God, the one who is better than we think. I'm going to invite the band uh, to come up now as we begin to wrap up. Our God is the one who is much better than we think, friends more than we can ever need, the one deep down that we've all been searching for. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.